Okay. Um, I've listened to a couple of the podcasts, and it seems that the protocol is to have an awful uh, joke, (laughs) also known as the dad joke. So it's in the form of a riddle, and it is, what is the leading cause of dry skin? (laughs) I can't. It still gets me. <laughs> Go for it, Alan. The answer is towels. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm so happy with uh, with dad jokes, the terrible jokes that that everyone tells, and it's become my forte now. Um. So, so everyone, uh, welcome to another episode of As Dad As It Gets, uh, the podcast where you can get all of the jokes you want. So uh, many. With with no subscription fee. (laughs) I am your host, Larry, and with me today is Tom. Hello. A very special guest. Um, He is a man of many talents. Uh, He is a founder, director of dadding film festival um or d3f is that the short term for it it's a dadding film festival and forum uh, oh okay <laughs> sorry yes film that's where the left yeah. got it okay um, my notes are a terrible mess <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh alan shedling um and i'm super excited about this this episode actually because um uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Alan? Okay. Uh, most important is I'm a dad and granddad. That's my most important degree is a DAD. Uh, <laughs> so I'm uh, trained as an educator. Um, I began my career in New York City in the public schools working with severely emotionally disturbed and autistic kids. Uh, I took great pride in identifying myself at the time as an emotionally disturbed teacher. Uh, (laughs) uh, And I thought it was very interesting at the time that um, the word special in our culture has a positive valence and association until you put the word education afterwards, in which case it's no longer positive in most people's mind. And I actually believed it was always positive. Um, right. And so I wanted to see what would happen if you took the mindset of a special educator where you have to look really hard for the assets that the kids have so that you can build on it and wondered if you use that same mindset um, with kids uh, who were designated normal um, or even gifted. And I ended up as the principal of a school for gifted children. Um, also happened to be in New York City, uh, and I found that that absolutely was true, that using that mindset was very, very helpful with all children. Um, When you begin as a special educator, you spend a lot of time working with people in other fields that uh, focus on kids, like neurologists, psychologists, social workers, etc., And when you work in regular education, that doesn't happen unless there's a problem. Uh, And I miss that. I miss that cross-fertilization. And I also missed the fact that having worked in both public schools and private schools or independent schools, that when you were in each, you thought of each other as the enemy camp. You didn't really recognize each other as colleagues. And really, one of the main things that bothered me was the lack of appreciation, and you as dads of younger kids will get this, the lack of appreciation of the earliest school years. Yeah. I um, left my principal's job and started something which became the National Elementary School Center. 
and its purpose was to address the cross-fertilization, the collegiality of private and public school people, but most important, the importance of the earliest school years. And so when we did our two national conferences a year, we introduced our guest speakers by where they graduated from elementary school. So I, we, I think... We, uh, yeah, we didn't... You, we didn't mention where they went to college. That <laughs> <laughs> you uh, you might be the most professional dad that uh, has has graced us with your presence. Um, so it definitely sounds like you've got a lot of experience and uh, information to to share with the world. And you do a lot of this through the um, the blog that that you run, um, and some of the. Um, the blog, it's, it's dad, I can't even talk. Advocacy. Advocacy consulting well, group. Yes. Yeah. Nailed it. But it's, <laughs> it's just called the daddy and blog. <laughs> that's that's a lot easier. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the, the blog definitely covers a lot of the, um, the harder hitting subjects of, of parenthood. Um, there was one that, um, let's see, where was it? It was the, the greatest weapon that a parent can have. And it was talking about, um, Narcan. Yeah. The, the overdosing, um, medicine. And I think as, as parents, um, that's, that's not something we really want to think about. Um, and you, you, this blog goes out and it talks about those hard hitting subjects there. Um, do you ever have trouble writing those blogs knowing that parents are going through this? Well, I'm happy you cited that particular blog because that blog was written by Scott Beller. And okay. Scott, Scott Beller is the editor uh, of the blog. So I tend to write two to three a month. He tends to write maybe one a month. And then we invite uh, guest bloggers. So I hereby invite you uh, and any of your listeners um, who want to send us a proposal for a blog. And by going on our website, it'll be obvious and easy how you do it. Um, but yes, it's, uh, it, it's, you know, being, having grandchildren. So I'm a very different part of the spectrum than you guys. Um, so my youngest grandchild is 17 and my oldest grandchild is 26 and is about to graduate from graduate school. So, you know, I, I'm no smarter than anybody else who's gone through being a dad and being a parent. I just have a little more experience um, and try to make use of it. So one of the things I have observed is every generation thinks it's harder. Parenting is harder than it was for the prior generation. I thought that too when I... I, I think that as well. <laughs> <laughs> but I happen to believe it's true. I do, I do think each generation, it has gotten harder, and it's much harder now. I did not need to worry when my kids, who are all members of ARP, um, I didn't have to worry about those kind of drugs. Yes, alcohol, right. of course, um, but not those kind of drugs. And um, and it's just a scarier world. We, di we didn't, and as a school principal, I didn't need to worry about lockdowns. Um, so yeah. I do think that the anti, and you can spell it either A-N-T-E or A-N-T-I, um, has been raised on growing up and thus being a parent. Absolutely. Um, and also, um, I think one of the greatest quotes that I have, uh, have ever heard, um, is, let me see if I can find it so I don't misquote it. Um, mm -hmm. where are... It was in regards to um, why D3F exists. Um, and gosh, my handwriting is terrible. 
Um, <laughs> but it, it's because Scottish. of our, our relationship with our fathers um, in its presence or absence is one of the most important relationships of our lives. And I'll be honest with you, that one hit me the hardest because uh, I grew up mostly without my, my father due to drugs. Um, and so it affects me as a parent today because a lot of the parenting that I do, I do because I don't want to be like my dad. Um, and so where did, where did you come up with that, that quote there? Uh, so it goes back to after leaving the national elementary school center, somebody asked me, what do you want to do next? Um, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the easiest answer to that, to that is I have no intention of ever growing up. <laughs> so is what do you want to do next? And I said, I didn't know. And they said, well, we had a conversation with your three daughters who at that point were in their early 20s. And the way they speak about you as a father, you need to write a book about fathering. That could be the most flattering thing I ever heard. Um, <laughs> and I did say to that person, that lady, um, lucky didn't talk to them when they were teenagers. You might have gotten a really different take on what they thought of their dad. <laughs> so, I, I did want to say, I um, was talking to a friend earlier today. Um, she was having some rough emotional time and like, reached out to me. I've known her for years. Um, but she like just vented to me and I was like, Hey, like, I know you've listened to some of the episodes of our podcast. I don't know if this will make you feel better, but this is what we're recording tonight. And she told like her relationship with her father was horrible. Uh, she's in her thirties and still traumatized by it. But she said, I was like a second dad. And I was like, Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, God, no, like that. It's, I'm not going to cry. <laughs> that, that, that's perfectly fine to cry. Uh, yeah, no, but, I absolutely did. <laughs> so, uh, but getting back, Larry, to your to trying to, to answer your question regarding that, that quote. So when I started working with dads, which started mm -hmm. 1997. Um, when I started working with dads, I've done a, a lot of different things, um, including regular workshops and uh, that kind of stuff and all sorts of settings. And we can get to that later if you'd like. But yeah, um, I've also now interviewed one-on-one -on -one 205 fathers, uh, ranging in age from 16 to 104. From, oh, wow. From many different stories. <laughs> um, every socioeconomic, every ethnic, every, you know, whatever variety of groups. And out of those 205 interviews, I guess I should ask you, how many of the guys do you think during, and the interview, the, when I started doing them, lasted anywhere from a short one would be an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. and um, some of them went to three and four hours and we can talk about the difference because I had a protocol of questions I asked. So depended on the, the depth of your answer and what you wanted to share of how long the interview, uh, took. So the question for you is what percentage of the guys do you think cried or their eyes welled up and they sort of fought? their tears uh in those interviews if if we're including both of those in the same i would say 95 percent. yeah i was gonna say 90 percent higher the higher end yeah so you guys are clearly smart and have thought a lot about it. <laughs> <laughs> most people don't press that high but it's about 92 percent. so you're both yeah. sort of right um, and it tends often, I find when I talk about this, that women tend to be a little bit surprised, um, by that women are particularly seem to be surprised if I do the interview at home, which has happened in about 
oh, a quarter of, of those interviews. I do them wherever the dad tells me he'll have an hour, an hour and a half, which is now about how long they take because I've shortened uh, the protocol. Um, wherever they say they're willing to do it. So it's been in a fishing boat. It's been in a limousine going to Wall Street. It, it's been, you know, a pickup truck. Um, it's been all over. And so the, the I describe what I call the bookends of daddy yearning and a soulful sadness, which in a way you've just described, Larry, and you just described, Tom, and the lady who who called you it's a soulful sadness and so dads are extraordinarily important in their presence but also in their absence Um, and when you say larry that you um are determined not to be the kind of dad that you had um one of the workshops i i did was at the world bank Uh, i live in the dc area um and so the world bank is located here and um i did a series it's called uh, becoming the the dad you want to be with the and the you is capitalized y-o-u is capitalized not the dad your mother-in-law wants you to be it's not the dad you know somebody else wants you to be the dad you want to be and so it was a brown bag lunch thing six sessions and the first session an all volunteer um so eight guys come in, which is a good size for a group like this. And the guy next to me, and I asked this question, why did you come? Why are you here? You didn't need to spend your lunch time in a discussion like this. So the guy on my immediate left is from Italy. And he says, and I won't attempt his accent, which is was, <laughs> it was delightful. He said, I had the worst father ever, and I'm terrified I'm going to turn into him. Yeah. Around, and then we get to the guy in my immediate right who has even a nicer accent. It's a French accent. And he says, I'm here because I had the best dad ever, and I don't think I'll ever measure up. See, so I think that's part of why Larry and I connect so well. There is no better person in the world than my dad. Um, He's who I aim and strive to be. And I know Larry didn't have a great dad and he wants to be the exact opposite. So like we're both trying to be that same incredible person. Um, But yeah, no, anything I can do to be more like my dad is, uh, is what I want to do. Well, my answer to all of them was, I'm not a scientist, I'm certainly not a geneticist, um, but as far as I know, there's no daddying gene, and you are not condemned one way or another. You get to decide who is the dad you want to be. You get to decide that. And when I asked that question, um, who is the dad you want to be, it's basically immobilizing. It's just way too you know, bigger question. And so what I've learned, yeah, right. (laughs) Oh, how do I narrow this down to like something that isn't going to take me five hours to explain? Right. So I've changed it in a way that still is a little bit intimidating, but manageable with a little effort, which is how do you want your child to describe you as a father five years from now? 10 years from now, 15 years from now. And that is also rough. That's a hard question, but you can get a handle on it. You can get a handle on that. And so that's for me, what all of this work is about. When I'm finished with those, each of those individual dating interviews, I often say, I'll bet you that you just spent more intense focused time thinking about being a dad than you've cumulatively spent up until this moment. And for the most part, that's you guys are probably both a little bit in what I call the automatic pilot um, phase of (laughs) dadding where you don't really have much reflective 
time, maybe a time like this, you do. And maybe yeah. great things for both of you about the podcast um, is that you do get to think and spend focused time on the dad you want to be. So um, that's why that quote, you know, in their presence and, and their absence um, was is so important. Yeah, and, and I'd never even thought of it until I read that quote um, about how much my dad actually influenced me as a father. Um, and uh, during during all of your interviews, um, did you ever learn anything from anybody you were interviewing or something you hadn't thought of as, as far as parenting or grandparenting? That's a good and a fair question. Um... I learned some wonderful stories um, and different ways of uh, explaining feelings and, and saying things. It definitely helped me understand better my own trajectory um, mm-hmm. and, you know, the dad that, that I am um, and the granddad I am. You guys are far from that, but <laughs> hopefully... <laughs> I got I hope. <laughs> yeah, but I have to say that granddaddy granddaddying is a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> well, yeah, you get to be the the fun one where you're just like, oh yeah, and then hand them back and yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. So the the answer did I learn anything? I I guess I didn't learn new stuff. I learned different ways of thinking about uh, some of the things I've done. And it was um, very fascinating to me. I mean, the, the, you know, the, one of the things that I have now discovered is I always end the interview by thanking the person for giving me an hour to two or three hours of their time. And without fail, the response is no, thank you. Um, because we don't get a hell of a lot of time to think about this stuff, to have somebody listen, um, and who asks questions and is interested in what your answer is. Um, it's like, it, it, it's like pulling guys, pulling their finger out of emotional dike. And once they do that, it starts flowing. I think you guys probably have that happen anyway. But a lot of the men that I've spoken to are surprised with how much they want to talk about this and how much they want to talk about their feelings. Um, It's really quite astounding to me. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, And I think with the, the younger generations as, as, new fathers are coming out um compared to their parents i I think studies show that they're more emotional than than their dad was and their dad was more emotional than their granddad um so the 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 emotions are coming easier as as we move along um yeah and you know the one of the things that i wrote that i feel really good about which is not everything I write I don't feel good about, but um, this one I did, which was identifying, um, and this was back in 2008, um, and it was something published uh, or distributed by the New York Times News Service, um, and it was called The Daddying Movement. And what it did was to identify um what I call an inadvertent revolution, which is speaks to what you said, Larry, which is, you know, the times have definitely changed dramatically. And this, uh, I no longer would call it a revolution. I, I would more, I think, appropriately call it an evolution than a revolution. Um, but I mean, you, you know, a podcast like this is an illustration of part of the evolution. This wouldn't have happened a few years back. You wouldn't have seen guys walking down the street with snugglies or, you know, baby carriers or pushing strollers or being at home dads or 
going yeah. to library, reading times, or and you can go on and on. And there wasn't discussion about um, family leave; it was maternity leave, and so it's changing pretty dramatically. Um, not fast enough for me, but um, pretty dramatically. <laughs> we're, we're getting there. Yeah, we are getting there. We are getting there, and you know, you you probably are aware all the attention that um, Representative Jimmy Gomez from California got when he appeared on the floor of the Congress carrying his baby. Yeah. Yeah, which was very yeah. recent. Um, it, was, it was all over TikTok. <laughs> it was happily all over a lot of places, and I think it's really, really important. And where, where I went with that, um, having, you know, talk about this daddying movement um, for a long time now is, and I amuse myself, which often I do, um, I have to admit, <laughs> um, is I wrote that, I wrote a blog right after that, and it asked the question, do you think George Washington wore his baby? I probably bet that he didn't even know his kid's name. Well, yeah. <laughs> Or maybe like if like how many he had. Yeah. Well, it turns out that George Washington did not have any biological children. Huh. No. But Martha had two children when he married her. Hmm. Okay. Second marriage. And I just learned that by thinking, trying to say, imagine what were the name of his kids, how many kids did he have, and so forth. Right. A little bit of an irony that he's the father of our country, uh, <laughs> but he, he's not necessarily the daddy of our country. So I, I <laughs> distinction. There you go. The, yeah. the thing. So. Um, and going back to the advocacy consulting group, um, it honestly, there's so much more than just blogs here. I mean, there's. Uh, film and book recommendations um can anyone uh make those recommendations or are these just um things that you found that no. are good when we do that uh annual list and giveaway of uh some books um we invite people to make recommendations so absolutely the F film festival which is my current obsession um is new uh -huh. um, thinking and and the um genesis of that was that after doing all of these interviews um actually about midway through the interviews which followed by the way um two years of doing focus groups with the consumers of daddying also known as children so I did 28 focus groups in three countries with kids ranging in age from 5 to 21. And I asked them questions like, and, and I think you'll both appreciate this in particular. So one of the questions I would ask in those small groups of five to seven kids of like ages um, is if you could um, create the perfect dad, what would he look like? My dad. So the first <laughs> first focus group I did happened to be with 14-year-old boys. Some of the groups were, um, you know, all boys, some all girls. We didn't talk in, in those days uh, back in 1994, 95, 96. We didn't talk about binary and non-binary and all of that kind of stuff. It's a little easier to right. get the groups together. Um, and, and the... Second group I did, which was with 14-year-old boys, and I said, if you could create the perfect dad, what would he look like? And in true 14-year-old boy fashion, I got the eye roll, um, which you guys will get at some point. Uh, <laughs> um, and it was like, mister, there is no such thing as a perfect dad. And if there was, he'd be really boring. <laughs> um, 
So I looked at him and I said, you know what? You're absolutely correct. There is no such a thing as a perfect dad, nor a perfect son, nor a perfect daughter, nor a perfect partner, nor a perfect teacher, nor a perfect anything. So I'm going to change the question. So I'm going to ask it this way. If you could create the most excellent dad you can imagine, what would he be like? And they agreed that that was a suitable, um, yeah, change. I do like that question, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a better um, question. So uh, it's kind of fascinating um, what came out of that and how when I asked the dads what they thought the kids said in, in the individual interviews, that I said I did this with the kids and they gave me a list of qualities. What do you think they said? The dads were able to guess exactly what the kids said because they believed it was the same qualities. Yeah. So we, we pass our our um, qualities and values down to our children. Um, it's, it's pretty much what happened there. Um, yeah, well, it's, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not rocket science. It's, it's yeah. pretty simple to figure out. I mean, I'll bet you guys can guess the, the one that came up first in every single group. Uh, I just, my, my mind goes straight to, to John Stamos. So the adjective is just cool. <laughs> I don't know why my brain goes there. What, what do you think, uh, Tom? It's simple. Uh, yeah, it's basic. Mr. Rogers. So it would be. It, it wasn't a person. It was a quality, and mm-hmm. and the quality is being there. It's really that basic and 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 that fundamental. So it's being, but then the same 14 year old boys said, but I mean, really being there. And I said, playing devil's advocate, what's, what's the difference between being there and really being there? And he said, well, my dad comes home this, remember this is 1994. Um, my dad comes home. He sees me sitting on the couch doing my homework and he sits down next to me and he starts reading the newspaper. And my dad thinks he's there. He's not. Now, of course, we could say, you know, smartphones, television, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, iPads. Um, so it's being there, but really being there emotionally, um, you know, psychologically, as well as physically. The second um, was, and this is kind of interesting, I think, um, take us as seriously as we take ourselves. Yeah. Take us that's... as seriously as we take ourselves. I, so. I don't think a lot of parents think about that because, um, I mean, they, they kind of look at their kids and, and these these things that they, they're doing, they're like, oh, this is just a silly game or this is just... Uh, a goofy hobby and it's like no this is this ch- child's life at the moment uh, yeah, so, so just so, so your four-year-old comes home from school and says yeah i got teased today or i was bullied and as a parent one of the things you might want to say is kid wait till you get to be my age you'll win <laughs> problem you had but to that child it's a gigantic problem yeah and it's everything. So take your kid as seriously as he takes or she takes herself. Um, the third out of the five most often cited one was uh, be a passionate advocate for us. Um, the fourth is show us love, show us you love us and be affectionate. And then the fifth was provide us with security and protection. None of those are radical and none of those would be a surprise. The one that really surprised me was um, don't argue with mom in front of me. <laughs> yeah. That, that was um, important in front of me. So there was no illusion, especially with the older kids. 
you know, that it's possible to live in a close relationship without there being disagreement. Uh, just don't have that disagreement in front of me. Me and my wife, we have um, code words for things. Um, Would it be when... pineapple? Did you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you listened to that episode. Yeah, he did listen to that one. Yeah. And then, so that that's our code word when um, – I say something out of line to her. She says something out of line to me. Our new code word when one of us is, because we've got a, a toddler that's three going on 13. Um, it's very stressful. So, so we've started uh, fruit salad is, is our word for when we are getting too frustrated with our daughter. Um, so it's, it's all fruit related for some reason. Uh, but yeah, those, those are, uh, are definitely, they're, they're not grand gestures, really. They're just small things that we can do to, to be grand. Um, yeah. and so, you had mentioned, oh, I'm sorry. I just wanted n- not to neglect to mention the film festival since I yes. said <laughs> obsession, but, um, <clears throat> So in 2003, I saw an amazing movie um, that was an Academy Award nominee as Best Documentary. It didn't win, but it was one of the three uh, finalists. And it was called, it is called My Architect, The Son's Journey um, by Nathaniel Kahn about his father, Louis Kahn who was mainly absent from his life. And he decided that he wanted to find out about his father after his father had died, um, to find out more about his father. And he decided to do it by going to the people who had commissioned his architecture, his buildings that he had made all over the world, to learn about his father that way, to see the buildings, to talk to the people who had um, asked him to build it, commissioned him. And um, I found myself crying through at least half the movie um, and wondering at the end why it nailed me um, as much as it had, and all, which was pretty easy for me to figure out. But also to wish that my dad, who had died about a year before that, um, to wish that he had been sitting next to me watching the movie because then we could have talked about things that came up in the movie that also were art stuff, um, but it would have been hard to bring that up spontaneously, so we could have referenced the film. So that that was the initial idea for doing a film fest, a daddying film festival, was to show a film films that fathers and kids could watch together and then talk about issues that came up. That morphed since 2003 or four into what we started last year as a pilot, and this year it's full-blown, which is the Daddying Film Festival in Form. And why, how it's morphed is that last year we invited children to make videos of one to five minutes long on the theme, A Letter to My Father or Father Figure. Um and to send those in. And when I say kids, we're talking about four distinct age groups, but we did it via um, grade levels rather than age groups, which is elementary school, middle school, high school, and undergraduate college. Um, And we received um, films from 17 countries. It totally blew my mind. Um, And we trained kids of that same age to judge the films, and they they um, judged ten semifinalists in each of the four age groups, and we sent the ten semifinalists to people in the film industry, um, actors, directors, producers, cinematographers, and so forth. They narrowed it down to five. Um, finalists. Each of the five finalists earned $250. Um, and then their films were put online for six days and the public voted on the winner. And the winner received another $250, so that's 500 and an Atticus Award. 
you have any idea what that Atticus comes? Finch. Yeah, Atticus Finch, <laughs> widely believed to be the best father figure portrayed in uh, literature and, and the movies. Um, yeah, I can agree. Anyway, it was, um, you know, successful beyond, you know, what we thought it could be in terms of just the interest, which goes with your podcast in a way that there is interest, you know, in the issues that you're talking about. Um, so this year, because um, I love a challenge, we expanded it in a lot of different ways. We opened it up to fathers and father figures. So you guys can each submit a film. We've extended the deadline to May 1st, so not a lot of time. Um, <laughs> but uh, we've gotten more father films this year than kid films, which is interesting to me. Um, and the other ways we expanded it, it's not just a letter to my father or father figure. And the father figure part is very important. And Tom, you spoke to it at the beginning, you know, where you talked about the lady who said you're like a father figure to her. Um, mm -hmm. So not everybody has the dad they most wish they had or needed. And so you create your own patchwork dad, as I call it. Um, anyway, uh, so we've added not just a letter to my father or father figure, but the most fun thing I ever did with my dad or wish I could do with my dad. And the third theme is if I could make a wish come true for my dad. And again, it's dad or father figure. And so the opposite for dad submitting the film, it's, you know, the wish come true for my kid uh, and so forth. And so we've added the fathers. We've extended the length of the film to seven minutes. And we're doing um, two live forums, which will be in Albuquerque on the 24th of June and in Santa Fe on the 25th of June. And we will show those, the winning films, and we'll have a, a woman who is going to come and talk about her research about how men are portrayed in the media. Um, and then we're going to show a full-length feature film uh, at the end. So that's a festival, and it's, it's very exciting. The hardest part of doing this work in terms of the festival is remembering when I have to attend to all of the details uh, <laughs> why we're doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, That's a and I'm actually, I think I'm going to try and rush uh, a video because I, I personally, I, I love movies and, and TV shows. Uh, I think that uh, one of the best quotes is that uh, in the movies, it answers all the questions in life that we have. And I probably butchered the quote, but uh, I, I strongly believe that that we can solve anything through through the movies. Um, we connect with them. We we find different ways to to solve our own problems and issues um, through different movies, you know, Star Wars, uh, uh, Casablanca, everything. Um, and um, there. I've got ideas. I don't want to, I don't want to ruin anything, but I'm going to try and put something <laughs> together. <laughs> so I'm really excited about that. No, it would be, it would be really great. Um, you know, you mentioned star Wars and one of the talks I gave in front of a professional group. And I tend to bore my bore myself many times when I'm doing such a thing. So I wanted to throw something in that would, you know, take me off course a little bit. And so I told the uh, the gathered folks that uh, we had a guest who was going to come in at the end of the talk uh, because he really wanted to deliver a message to them. And of course, they're looking at me like, you know, I'm a little bit crazy, which is appropriate. And uh, so the last minute or two before I duck down uh, behind the podium and I pop up and I'm wearing a full Darth Vader mask. <laughs> Uh, and I say, I am your daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
talk was the difference between father and daddy. I just at, had them leave the room and uh, with this question, how differently do you think the story would have ended if he had been daddy and not father? I think that's, I might've brought it up in an earlier episode or it might've just been when we were talking before we started recording. Um, in one of the Guardians of the Galaxy films from Marvel, uh, Yondu is saving Peter Quill like after he killed his father. He said, he might have been your father, but he wasn't your daddy because he had raised him. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. It, it is a big It is a big decision. You can become a father by accident but you can only become a daddy by intention. Yeah. And um, uh, as far as the film festival for anybody that is interested in um, joining it or, or just want to look at information, um, the Instagram page is daddying film fest, all one word. And that's actually how I, I got connected Um to you alan was through instagram um but there you can find links to the the daddying film fest um and pretty much everything that that you guys do which is a quite extensive uh you you i mean honestly i i feel lazy compared to, to how much <laughs> <Yeah>. you do <laughs> uh, you're going everywhere and doing all these interviews and everything and i'm i'm struggling just to get out of bed yeah. <laughs> but, but, but I don't have little kids at home anymore. Yeah, that's true. That that is true, and, yeah, and it, you've it, been daddying a lot longer than both of us. So, yeah. daddying and granddaddying. Mm-hmm. If I can say just one other thing about the way you begin your podcast with the awful dad jokes, which I guess is redundant, but um. <laughs> so, um <laughs> When I was a uh, school principal, it's actually two things. When I was a school principal, you got sent to my office uh, for um, three reasons. One is the traditional reason um, that people get sent to the principal's office. Um, That was the least important to me. Um, Second reason was if you were caught being good. Um, That was actually the first reason. Uh, and then the third reason was if you told a really bad pun or riddle, um, you got sent to inflict, to inflict it on me because as the teachers would say, oh, my God, that's worse than the ones he tells us at the faculty meeting. <laughs> and of course, I, I like those second two reasons a lot. Yeah. Like the affirmation of like, hey, no, you were really good. Thank you for doing this. Also, thank you for this terrible joke that I now get to tell other people. <laughs> and and then the teachers would say, Alan, where do you come up with all these jokes all the time? And I say, hello, you're <laughs> the, the, the kids. Um, but the more serious thing about the jokes is one of the programs um, that we do is called Armor Down, Daddy Up. And it's a program we do for veterans um, who are suffering with PTSD uh, who are dads. And so the program is the armor down portion of it is mainly mindfulness, yoga, meditation, exercise, and the uh, daddy up portion of it is like what we've been talking about. And we do the program for fathers and their kids. And we created something called the uh, daddy and quotient. And we have a form that the kids fill out and the dads fill out about what what are the qualities they'd most like to see in their dad. Um, I think we have uh, 38 of them that they get to choose from. And they're pretty much in complete agreement except for one area. And that is that the kids say they want their dad to kid around and have a sense of humor. So I think if any of us think about what is somebody with PTSD who's recently, you know, finished with his deployment, sense of humor and kidding around is probably not something that seems to come to the top of the list. 
And so part of the way we handle that is that in each subsequent session that we do, we require the dads to come with a dad joke. (laughs) There you go. I like that. Um, And it's amazing what it, what it does. It's just amazing. And we talk about it's fine to smile. It's fine to laugh. It's fine to get around, you know, anyway. So that's especially like when you're on deployment, like, you're trained to be serious most of the time because you could be seeing combat, especially like when you are in combat situations instead of like, oh, I'm just stationed here at this base that doesn't see anything. And like having to come home and be able to kid around and pal around with your child can be difficult. Yeah, very difficult. So. Yeah. Um, you can never underestimate the the usefulness of a... a good dad joke um and if i can convince my wife of that that'll be fantastic (laughs) but um before we wrap up alan is there anything else that that you want to mention um as far as as the dcg or the film festival that we didn't touch on no i i think um i think we covered it all i mean the you know sort of final thing I'd like all of us to believe is we really can become the dad we want to be. Um, we just really need to think about it. And we don't usually spend much time thinking about it. Um, so creating that, that North star, if you would, um, you know, it's one of the other things I do in some of the workshops I do is, is, um, You know, if I talk to guys of your vintage, I will say, gentlemen, did you know that there was a time before we had GPS? And we used to have... Oh, God. (laughs) I remember having to, like, use a map or print out, like, map quest directions and... Yep. (laughs) We used to use a map. And, you know, there were times before there was a map. And we used to use you know, um, a compass. Um, and there was a time before compasses and guess what? We used the stars and we, we had a North star. We had a, what is called the load L O D E load star. So I always think it's really important for each of us as a dad to have our dad load star, um, to what is that, that, one thing that guides us as uh, as we move forward as dad. So I think it's just conveying the notion that we really can be the parent we want to be. That's really, really important message. We do not, you know, as I said earlier, it's not a, there's not a dad gene. You know, we get to create it. We get to determine. So, so that would yeah. be the final and that's about as bad as it gets. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it is. If you enjoy our content, please give us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to keep up with the latest dad jokes and memes, find us on Instagram at as dad as it gets pod. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us at as dad as it gets at gmail.com.